You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. How can we honor God with our wealth? Find out in this message by Pastor John Del Rosario. We have a series called Honor God. Can you say Honor God with me? Honor God. Honor God. Do you believe that God is worthy of all honor and praise? Obviously. Amen. Hey, here's our verse for today. Oh, here's Pastor Ariel Pala, just so you know. That's every nation Taiwan, and that's what we love to do, and they love to do it then, apparently, eating. So we prayed for that, and in Jesus' name, thank you. Honor God, Proverbs 3 to 9, uh, 3 verses 9 and 10, we're reading from the ESV. This is our handle, our passage for the day. Let me read it for you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Everybody of us knows this. Who among you know that God is a God who blesses? He's a God who blesses. He has blessed you. He is blessing you. You will be blessed in the future far more than you realize. But since it is given, and there's so much in this passage, okay lang ba if we cut it in half? Okay? The second part, verse 10, is something, that's, something that you already know. God blesses you. But since our topic is honor God, okay lang ba if I cut this to just verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth just because you are worth it. Would that be fine for you? Okay? Honor the Lord just because He is worth it. You see it in movies and teleseries, and you say, ah, He loves her just because He does, even if she doesn't reciprocate it. I'm not saying that God doesn't reciprocate it to us. He blesses us. But our premise today is that He is worthy of honor in all of the areas in our lives just because he's God. Can you, can you follow with, with me on that? All right? Proverbs 3 verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. It's nerve-wracking to talk about money in church and pastors aren't included. Okay? So a lot of people, it's uncharted, uncharted ground. We're, we're walking on eggshells. But we have decided to stick this in the series to talk about wealth and honoring God with our wealth because it'll be unloving of us if we don't. As a matter of fact, it'll be irresponsible of us if we do not talk about money. And we think of this because of two things. One is because we listen to you. We listen to you in the way that you write your prayer requests. We listen to you and remember the the many times that you've come to us knowing that so many of your problems, your worries, your difficulties revolve around this issue of money. That's one, one issue. The second reason is that because the Bible talks so much about it. Look at the Gospel of Luke. If you read it, it'll probably take you an hour to read it through tonight if you do that. You would see that so many of it talks so much about money. It talks about money so much more than heaven and hell combined. It's that important. So we can't avoid this. Even in the name of being sensitive and careful, we can't avoid this because you and I know we need to hear what the Bible says. Do you agree? Psalm 33 verse 12 is a verse which is on your peso bill, in your pocket. It's in Tagalog, of course. Pinagpala ang bayan na ang Diyos ay Panginoon. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It is a rough approximation or a rough application of what is written in the dollar bill. The dollar bill says, in God we trust. Parang ganun din yan, di ba? But ironically, the way that you make your money and the way that you spend your money really shows to everyone whether or not you trust Him or you honor Him. It's that clear. You show me your bank account, you show me your expenditures, I will tell you your, your relationship with God. 
I pray that I'm not judging anybody, but it's really as clear as day. It's really as clear as that. Let me make a statement for you. There can be no significant spiritual growth in your life unless you put your money and your attitude towards money into the hands of God. Do you believe this? We need to talk about money. It's that pivotal an issue. For example, I just... Uh, for example, you go for a doctor's checkup. And you say, Doc, I just need a, uh, a general update, a general uh, checkup to find out why I'm feeling tired all the time. I get sick so easily. You need to help me out. Give me a checkup and tell me what to do. So what would your, doc- what would your doctor say? Your doctor would probably say something like this. Okay, you're gonna have to, you have to tell me so many things. Tell me um, how you're sleeping. How long you're sleeping? What's the quality of your sleep? How you're eating? What you're eating? How much are you eating? Hey, how, how, how's your work? How long do you work? Do you have satisfaction in the work that you do? Hey, there are many, many things. Do you have personal strains in your life? And if, what if you say, you're a doctor. You just take care of the physical. That's your department. I don't want to talk to you about my personal strains and problems at work. You just take care of the physical, help me improve my health. What would your doctor say? Your doctor would say, you know what, what you're asking me is impossible. It's all connected together. You can't just make departments in your life. It's all connected together. You want me to help you with your, with your, your, your health. You don't know that the physiological symptoms are there. The things that are causing this are psychological in nature. To heal this, you might probably need counseling for it. It's that important. It is impossible if we don't see the whole. And it's the same with our relationship with God. God would tell us, you come to me for meaning, for direction, for purpose, for renewal, for strength and forgiveness. But unless you are wanting and willing to talk to me about your money, we have nowhere to go. Just like your doctor would probably kick you out and say, you know what, it's impossible what you're asking me because you don't want to accept that you are an interconnected whole. God says, if you have anything, if you want anything to do with me, you need to talk about your money. Otherwise, we can't talk about, we can't have business. Are you tracking with me so far? Great. But money is not the problem. Money is a gift. From the, from the creative imagination of God, He set forth economics and business and, and trading. Money is just part of the, the creativity of God. That is not the problem. The Bible does, thankfully, tell us what the problem is. First Timothy 6, verse 10, the love of money. Now, there's your problem. The love of money is a root of all evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. And pierced themselves with many pangs. And we pangs. Lisha panga. Or pangs, it's like hunger pangs. Parang matagal ka nindi naaka and you feel twitching. When it comes to money, it's an excessive anxiety about money and the promises that you think money can bring you. You can't, you can't get any sleep because you're thinking about it. This is what it's talking about the love of money. Let me tell you about money. Money is such a terrible promise keeper. Money issues a lot of promises and it fails in so many levels. 
Think about the many affluent and rich and successful people in Hollywood and in, in business. John D. Rockefeller, the first American billionaire in the early 1900s, um, he had everything. He was the first American billionaire. And then he died of depression. Robin Williams. He had so many projects down the pipeline and he passed away 2014, sadly. Money doesn't guarantee anything. But so many people put all of their eggs in that basket and that is so insidious. Insidious meaning subtle and so harmful. And we need to know it. The love of money. The love of money. This is what's so harmful about it. We can't see it in ourselves. It's so easy to see it in someone else, but we can't admit it to our own selves. The part of its modus operandi is that it hides itself from the victim. You can't see it in your own heart. But it's the case of Matthew 7 verse 3. You see the, the speck of dust in your brother's eye, but you can't notice the log, the plank that is in your eye. Exactly. Greed. It is that stealthy. This series, it's where week three of a four-week series. Two weeks from now, we'll be starting a series called Uncensored. It'll be on sex, romance, and love. Para sumabay sa February. And this place will be packed. This place will be packed. Even if we remove all of the chairs, 3,000 people will probably want to sit down just to listen to that uncensored, no-holds-barred sermons. What if... Think with me. We put, you know what the seven deadly sins are? Hey? Brad Pitt movie, seven. Seven deadly sins. There is such a thing. Google it. Hey? And if we put together a series about it, there's envy, there's wrath, there's, there's sloth. Could you take a guess what the series, uh, what the topic will be on the weekend that is worst attended? That'll be greed or the love of money. Greed will be the worst attended weekend, generally because people don't think that it applies to them. That's the fact of the matter. And this is so very harmful. Six, seven deadly sins. The six other sins has slain hundreds. Greed has slain hundreds of thousands just because people don't know it. You're probably seeing some other people probably, damot kasi Greedy kasi. Sobrang lakas ng kapit ng material. You never said that for yourself. You never say this among, for, for ourselves. Human hearts look to justify. Okay? It's, we are crafty in this way. We compare ourselves to other people. Okay? I'm not living as well as they are. Compared to them, I'm living modestly. We always justify that way, the, the, the way that we make our money and the way that we spend our money. That's harmful in and of our, our in and of itself. Money, is, money has this ability to make you overlook the most important, the toughest questions that you need to ask about your finances. How do I make my money? Is it illegal? Is it immoral? How do I spend my money? If you're honest, you don't want to go there, especially as a Christian. Do you see how harmful this is? Hopefully you are seeing this. So the root of the problems in any family relationships, any community relationships, sadly some, in, in, in some other churches, is money. It's the love of money rather. It's greed. And surely in all of the nations, there's corruption and graft and extortion in the United States. And surely in this country, this is the problem. 
Pope Francis had pointed this out correctly. That this needs to stop. But how to stop it? Easier said than done. That's why we're having this message tonight. And if you, when you heard about the country, you're saying, that's right, that's right, it's because of these people. Oh, wait a minute, there it is again. Hey, you're seeing it in other people. You're, you're wanting to point your people on a particular person. Wait, wait, there's something wrong in here. Point it here. There's something gone terribly wrong in the human heart. And we see it in the structures that we build, the governments that we run, the businesses that we lead. It's because of the sinful heart and we do not know how to fix it. Here's the problem. We've made a good thing into a God thing. Small g. We made it the ultimate end. We made it our own happy ending that we must have. And you know what calling out? Fighters do this. See, fighters do this. They, They say this. There can only be one pound for pound champion. We need to meet and there can only be one. People need to see who really is the champion. Sana lang sumagot si Mayweather. Pacquiao has been calling him out for the longest time. Jesus has done this. Luke 16 verse 13. No servant can serve two masters. I need to pick one. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Listen, you cannot serve God and money. The context here is you need to pick one. Can't have both. It's only one or the other. Here's how it works out. This is going to be brutal, but this is as simple as we can get. You either worship God with our money, or you worship our money as God. Small g. Sadly, greed has its roots in the second option. And some of you, let me tell you what you're thinking. That's not the case in my life. That's exactly the power of greed. You can't think that it's true for yourself. And I pray that you have, I've been praying for you guys before we we met for this service. I pray that God gives you an open mind and a heart that would be able to receive, not push back, but see and assess and see what the wisdom of the Word of God says. And see what good it can do in in your hearts. This works out in this way in our relationships. When we worship our money, we will use people to get to money. But when we worship God, We will love people with our money. So how do we fix this? We can't fix this. We can't figure this out. We need to go to the Bible. And all of the passages that the Bible talks about this, the way that I can summarize it, we need to change how we view money. So what is money? We need some work to do. I pray that you're still with me. Are you still with me? Okay, we'll we'll, we'll go on a little journey. Uh, hopefully this will make sense to you. The Bible says God has given you sound minds. We'll do a little thinking today. Let me make a statement. God owns everything. Do you know this? Let me prove it, prove it to you uh, by, by, uh, by scriptures. Well, first of all, do you know that God created everything out of nothing? Yes, the Bible tells us this. It's ex nihilo. No, out of nothing comes everything. He just, he, he just said, let there be, and there was. Imagine if you were able to do that. What would, make, what, would, what would make that of you? You'd probably be very powerful. You'd have a lot of authority. Here's one thing that you'll be. You'll be unbelievably wealthy. Right? When you're able to make something out of nothing, you'll be unbelievably wealthy. 
Let me prove this to you. Psalm 50, verses 10 and 12. Every beast in the forest is mine, the cattle in a thousand hills. For the world in its fullness are mine. Okay, ano ba yung cattle in a thousand hills? Cows, beef, di ba? But ganito, the scripture was written to a particular culture and it's an agrarian culture. Okay? And you know what cattle do. Cattle, they bring milk. Beef is pretty tasty, if not very expensive. They can be beasts of burden that can, uh, that can plow, your, plow your field so that you can have produce. Okay? And you can, you can make it a, a, a means of travel so that you can do barter and trade. So if you have a herd of around 50 cows, oxen, you'll be very rich. Imagine this, cattle on a thousand hills. That's, that, that's the God of inexhaustible resource for you. David, as he was building the, the temple in First Chronicles 29, 11-12, he was attempting to build the temple and collecting raw materials, gold, silver from people, donating it. He articulated it this way. All that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. All things come from you, and, and, and of your own have we given you. We have nothing to give you that didn't first come from your open, abundant hand. That's what it's saying. He owns everything. And there's this one word that we always use here in church. Lord. When you say Lord, you're meaning He owns everything. He has jurisdiction. He has the right to do whatever He wants with anything that happens in the world. Because He, in His sovereignty and goodness and mercy, He created all things. So God owns everything. But if God owns everything, let me refute something that you, one time or another, probably have asked yourself. Why is he after my money then, if he owns everything? He isn't after your money. God owns everything. How can he be after your money? He doesn't need it. He can make money, or he doesn't even need money to purchase anything. He can just make whatever he wants. He can't be after your money, but clearly reading of Scripture and finding out the many instructions and commands that He has for us on how to handle our money, clearly He's after something. It's not your money, but it's, it's clearly something else. Before we answer that, let me make three points from this, three observations from this God owns everything explanation. Number one, because God owns everything, everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything, no matter how, you, how, you, how hard you work for it, how long you work for it, it can't be without the talent, skills, passions, and luck, the favorable circumstances that had come in your way that God placed in your life. Everything is a gift from God. Proverbs 20, verse 24, A man's steps are from the Lord. He orders the steps of everybody. Christians are none alike. How then can man understand his way? If this is so, if God orders the steps, what are we to do? Here's what you need to do. You need to inquire of Him through Scripture about His will generally and specifically for your life, which He is generous enough to reveal to us in Scripture. Psalm 16, verse 33. Talk about luck, mala, suerte, chance, happenstance. No such thing. To our minds, our perspective, there is wala eh, mala, suerte. The lot is cast into the lap. But it's every decision is from the Lord. For someone as sovereign who created everything, there can't possibly be such a thing as luck and chance. To us, perhaps, 
To him, not a chance. Number two, because God owns everything, God doesn't give up ownership of his creation when, he, when it leaves his hand and comes into ours. He still is the owner of things. Okay? Ganito, ganito yung nangyayari sa money kasi. Money gives us power. Si Stephanie was able to tell us from Deuteronomy 8.18, the ESV version, that he is the one who gives us money, the power to produce wealth. Okay? This is power. Money gives us the power to arrange and influence different things in the peace of the world that is entrusted to us. Money gives us that. Bill Gates has more power to arrange stuff in his world, in his greater area of influence than you and me. In the same way that you and I have a bigger bigger ability, more power to arrange stuff in our lives than many more people who are less privileged than you and me. But make no mistake, God does not give any of us any real ownership of any of it. He still owns everything. Let me show you this example. For example, you have a six-year-old who loves M&M's. M&M's. And you can't, you can't, you can't give it to him or her because it's just going to destroy her teeth. But Christmas time, you give her one bag. And yay, how do you like your M&M's? It's nice, daddy. It's Christmas colors. Give daddy one. No, I don't like. It's mine. Really? 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 <laughs> I gave that to you. Diba? 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 Kaya binigyan mo ng ng ano ng state ng ano ng PlayStation ano ba PSP or tablet or smartphone and play sige I'm giving it to you ah just so far hindi ka na huhuli sa mga friends mo sa school but I get to tell you when to stop playing that because we're going to be eating we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking we're going to be sleeping already okay hey stop na no um, not yet this is mine really that's mine, di ba? Ako nang bigay sa yan. I get jurisdiction over that. Do you see how this works out? So when you and I think, parang ganun, grabe, why does God want my money? We're really thinking like children. Nakikita nyo? Because God owns everything. He's the benevolent Father because of His mercies and goodness, not because of anything that we do. A wrong mindset is that we give you what you want and you need to give us what we want because of our of thanks to us for our obedience, that wouldn't be God. That wouldn't be giving to God. That would be tipping God. You're giving God a tip. That can't possibly be the way. God gives grace to anybody at any time, any situation that He wants. As high as the heavens are over the earth, God's ways are not our ways, our thoughts are not our thoughts. But here's what we know. God is a good God. He's a merciful God. And that is enough. Because God owns everything. One more before we move on. The parable of the talents, Matthew 25, tells us that God has specific ways of, of having us use His money that He entrusts to us. We are to invest the money that, gives, that God gives us to use for God's causes. And we are actually to, in, to, to be good stewards of it by investing and improving and doubling its effectivity in the lives of people. If you don't do that, you're a, you're a bad steward. Ano ba yung God's purpose? God's purpose is that He wants many people to be saved. So His purpose is for the gospel message to be, to be advanced. So think about it. Think this. God's money is in my bank account. I'm receiving God's money every two weeks. How are you going to be stewarding that 
Do you know how God wants you to spend this? Think investment banking. You are an investment banker and God is your client, capital C. Okay? You'd be a very bad investment banker if you do not follow His purposes and His values. Tama? If not, kunyari, ganito. O sige, ito, could you invest this in this? Could you do this for this? Can you give this to this foundation? And you don't do that. And, he's, he, and he says, what happened to my money? <laughs> I spent it. <laughs> if you could give me some more money, I'd promise to do better. You're not a good investment. God's going to move on. You see this? If a bank would come, if you would deposit your money in a bank, 5000 and sige, I'll, I'll come back for that, whether withdraw for it if I need to buy something or put in some more, I'll come back for it. When you come back for it, sorry, sir, it's gone. What happened? We spent it. Okay, but if you would... If you would deposit some more money, we'd gladly receive it for you. Diba? Itong pinag-uusapan natin is, ito yung sinasabi sa ano, sa yung sinasabi ni Paul na sowing and reaping. Okay? It's not a mechanical transaction. I put it in as a seed and something else comes back. Hindi. Purpose comes in. Purpose. The purpose of the client. Yun yung masusunod. If you do not do, do with the money that he, he lets you keep, he lets you steward according to his purposes, he's not gonna give you more. If you are un- unreliable uh, in the small things, how can he big you, give you bigger things? Does this make sense? So when you violate his values and purposes, when you misappropriate any of it, you're not being a miser, hindi ka, hindi ka stingy, hindi ka kuripot, you are a thief. You are a robber. Do you understand? This is what Malachi 3 verse 8 says, will a man rob God? What? How are we robbing you? You're robbing me in your generosity. What I intended for you to do with my money in your life. A lack of generosity isn't just stinginess. It's robbery. This is brutal. I pray that we need to hear, I think we need to hear this. Malachi 3 verse 8. So we really need to live as stewards. Can you say stewards? You and we are stewards using the power of the money that God had entrusted us to control the the world around us for His purposes. If we don't, we have chosen to serve money as God. And we think we own it. God owns it. Hey, and and you think you own it? You don't own it. It owns you. You are being driven. Greed drives you. You don't have money. Money has you. That's how big greed is. Matthew 6, 19-21 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and, and destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, that's key to what God is after. God isn't after our money. What is He after? We just read it. He's after our hearts. He's after our devotions. He can make money. He can't make you love Him. Do you think God can make us all love Him? I'm sure He can, but He won't do that. We won't be worshipers. We'll be robots. God has given us the, 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 the choice whether to follow Him, honor Him, or not follow Him and dishonor Him. 
your kids know if your friends, kung may friends siya, who are just befriending him because he wants to play with his toys. Kids are sensitive to, to this. You are sensitive to people who are quote-unquote user-friendly because he or she wants access to your resources. Tama? Diba? Ganito, when you see someone who is elderly, tapos yung, yung napangasawa niya medyo bata, what do you think? Okay? He married, she married her first money. Tama? Let me ask you the question. Why are you a Christian? Did you marry God for God? Or did you marry God for His money? Sarap, ang cute kasi pakinggan eh. Nagtatampo ko kay God eh. Nagtatayos naman ako, wala pa yung breakthrough ko. Nagtatampo ko. Grabe, you married God for His money. Intindihan niyo po? I love my wife. Diba? Sa totoo lang, naubos po ang savings ko. But it's all worth it. I didn't marry her for the things I'm able to receive from her. I married her because of her. She makes me want to be a better person. It's a privilege for me that she allows me to walk by her side and hold her hand in public. In a marriage situation, shouldn't be any different with God. Not because that God blesses you, I'd be a Christian. You be a Christian because God is holy. You are a sinner and there's no way for you to be reconciled with God. And He made a way. Proverbs 3 verse 9, you know, let's get practical. Are you, are you following? Are, do you think this is helpful for you? Praise God. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. Can you say this with me? First fruits. First fruits, we don't understand first fruits. Because we are not of a Jewish culture. Okay? We'll talk more about first fruits in a little while, but here are four things Christians do generally with money. First, offer first fruits well. Yan nga first fruits. Okay, sandali lang. Relax, ito na. First fruits, it's Jewish agricultural culture yung, uh, yung sinulata ng Panginoon ng, ng Scripture. It implies you give your first, you give your best. Okay? Why do you do this? Why do you pick your first? Why do you pick your best? You are declaring that all of it, the lot of it, it's yours. By your goodness, you just ask first fruits. Practically, for us here in 2015, when we receive God's money, He entrusts it to us, first fruits are from the top. Hindi yung latak, hindi yung what's left from the top. That's an issue of the heart right there. Bakit ganito? Okay? First fruits, it's tithes. Ito na naman, tithes. A tithe is a tenth. Okay? A tenth. Again, some, some people are saying, wait a minute, isn't the Old Testament, isn't it an Old Testament command and we're in the New Testament that shouldn't be binding on us anymore? I'm sure you, all of you have heard this. I know where they're coming from, but generally here's how we theologically, philosophically support why we are able to tithe here in the New Testament. Colossians would tell us of substance and shadows. Look, could you look at your shadow? This is my shadow and it's a representation of me. I'll be a very bad one. Right? But I'm casting it, that's me. But here's me. You don't mind the shadow anymore because here's me. Hey? The Old Testament is shadow. Everything. The, the temple, the priest, the, the, the lamb without spot, the, the, the lamb without defect are all shadows pointing to the promise of God, of a Messiah to come. And now that we have 
Jesus, that we have the Messiah, and we have the privilege of looking back almost 2,000 years ago, of this promise coming to pass. They were in a position of looking forward, hopeful, trust, trusting God. Do you think that we are in a better position or in a worse position when it comes to knowing more about the grace, the love, the mercy of God? I think we're in a better position, tama? We have more understanding of how God saves us. Now, if people in the Old Testament were paying 10%, I cannot imagine me being outgiven by people who know less of the things that I know right now. I hope that this makes sense to us. Because theologically, philosophically, this is our basis for why the tithe is the minimum. It's the, it's the floor more than it is the ceiling. I pray that you would want to give more than the tithe. Here's one thing that the tithe reminds us. It reminds us whose money it is, really. It's not yours. It's God's. So offer first, first fruits, tithes. Would you believe that first fruits include taxes? You take it from the top. First fruits, you don't treat it as, as, a, uh, as expenditure. You don't write it in your budget. You give it off the top. You give it off the top because it's personal to God. It's God's. Um, read Romans 13. And tell, it tells you about the government being God's agent. When they take your taxes, they're not robbing you. It's just the way that God initiated things, determined things to work for such a thing as a government to work for the righteous. So you take it from the top. And here's another thing. They are a theocracy. Can you say that? So that will sound smart. Theocracy. Theocracy, and priests are leading the nation in the name of God. So there is no separation of the church and the state. When they ask you of something, like in Deuteronomy, that you need to bring this to the Levites, you're actually giving it, yes, to the church, but you're also giving it to the government. Ngayon, we are separated already, the church and the state. And here are things that we... In Luke 20, verse 20, 25, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. As Christians, we need to declare our taxes well. We need to pay our taxes correctly. A lot of times, tayo, if, you, if you're working in a corporation, taxes, the first fruits are really just taken off. But if you're having a business, this is a wonderful way to worship God. Declare it well. Don't keep two books. Just keep one book and pay accordingly. How do you pay your cedula? Five pesos. How, is that a reflection of how God had blessed you? Pay it well. Our nation will, will, will benefit from it if everybody will do it. But not everyone will do it. Who will start it? Christians. That's you and me. Amen? Romans 13 verse 7. Pay, all to, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed. Offer the first fruits, tithe and taxes. Take it from the top. Don't consider it as expenditure. Next is you spend wisely. So the first fruits, okay? So Proverbs 3, you give your first fruits. The people who are hearing it, receiving it, they're thinking, okay, taxes and tithes. We are able to take it from the top if we are to apply it here correctly from, um, from our point of view. So what do you do with the rest? We just said that when you give your first fruits, you're declaring the lot of it is yours. 
whatever the percentage be is, we're not thinking about percentage, 10, 15, 20%, the rest of the 80%, they're still yours. We want to honor you with them as well. Start with this, spend wisely. We spend wisely. Here are the bills and the essentials, the grocery, the, the, the things for the car, and everything else you spend wisely. And here are things, Proverbs 21, verse 5, that we can glean from Scripture. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. It's talking about budgeting. Okay? We budget. Worship okay? includes budgeting. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. This is more about the non-essentials. Yung mga luho. Is it wrong for you to plan for a trip? Is it wrong for you to get that device that you want? No. Okay? There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that says, He gives you money for your enjoyment. Okay? But here... It's a good um, advice for us. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Alamin mo kung what the money is for. Andy Stanley has written a book in a sermon series of this, of this from this passage, and he calls this the best question ever. I appeal to you. Would you ask this in your spending? Is this wise? Is it okay for me to spend this much money in procuring this particular device? Many people think that they need more wealth. Really, they're really just needing more wisdom. I have good news. James says, you ask wisdom, it'll be given, given freely to you. I have a confession to make to you. New things, material things are nice. It's, it has an intoxicating feel. Parang, di ba? When you got that phone, parang everything seems to settle. Everything is all right. Now I have the phone. Di ba? You have a watch naman, but when you're looking at the, 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 the time, anong time na? It's 7.30. Di ba? Parang it's like something that you need to be seen with. These are things that materialism and money, these are all part and parcel of the, the insidious thing that is it's going on. And we need to be uh, uh, not unawares of these things. Just so you know, these things that you are so excited about, these are stuff of future garage sales. These are things that break, moth and rust can get them, thieves can get them, isang, isang bagyo lang, wala na lahat, nasan ka na? Where's your significance? Where's your purpose? Depression, maybe even suicide. You see how this thing works? You do not want to put your significance on these things. So how, we go, how do we go about it? Paul exhorts us to live within our means. Philippians 4 says, be content with what you have. Do not be envious. It's a working phone. It's fine. You'll be fine. The world is not going to end for you. Don't find your significance in these things. It's temporal. Temporal. Eh, ano ngayon kung wala ko ng iPhone 7, iPhone 8, di ba? It has an app to teleport you. It's water dispenser. Ganun, parang, di ba? Mamamatay ka ba kung wala ka nun? Surely you can base your significance in more important things than this. Spend first fruits wisely, pay your taxes, pay your tithes, spend wisely. Number three, save Prudently. Lots of single people here. You look all young. Save. Save. It's worship unto God. Saving is preparing for 
something past the immediate. And saving is something that's preparing a legacy, an inheritance for your kids and your grandkids. Mature people think this. Christians should think this. Um, investments and insurance. Gladly, there are, there are places that you can get both already. And insurance is really something that you'd want to have. when You, you don't need it until you need it. And when you need it, you'd hope, you'd hope that it's there. It's like a spare tire, a working spare tire. Hindi yung flat, nilagay mo sa likod. When it's flat, you're, you're done. You're stuck there forever. When you have a working spare tire, you don't even think about it. But when the time comes, when your tire gets busted, you'd be glad that you did the work. So again, you save prudently. And we find a lot of wisdom in the book of wisdom, Proverbs. Proverbs 13, verse 11, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Okay? Something that's won in a contest or, or lottery. It's called the lotto, lotto mentality. Okay? So many people who win the lotto get bankrupt apparently in a few years. Wealth gained hastily. Pagka, when it's by your blood, sweat, and tears, you, you, you'll be very thrifty. You'll be very careful in spending it. But whoever, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I'm, I'm talking to a culture that we're surrounded with that is so enamored by the get-rich-quick schemes, which turn out to be scams, which prove that this has so much wisdom in it. Nothing beats working hard. Nothing beats waking up early in the morning. Nothing beats working in your workplace as if you're working for God, not for man, because He gives you the inheritance. God blesses worship like this. Proverbs 30, verse 25, The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer, looking past the immediate, so that when a rainy day comes, you'll be well off. And this is worship to God. Treat it like working out. Eh? You, don't, you don't say, na, I'm going to go into a gym, I've enrolled in it, I'm going to go one session, and when you're out, yes, I'm in shape. <laughs> Round is a shape, so you're partly right. It, it doesn't work this way. It's something that you do daily, diba? over a long period of time, and then you look in the mirror, and then surprise yourself. Hey, you don't go on a, 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 I want to lose weight, and then you just go through the grueling meal of just, of just berries and, and leaves and, and grass and whatever, and then, oh, and then you step on the, I've gained one pound, ah, depression, suicide, diba? It takes a long time. Are you understanding this? Treat saving as a little at a time. Saving. Lastly, give. Give generously. We'll spend a little more time with this. <clears throat> the mark of a true Christian is a remarkable generosity. You would want people to ask the question, what has happened to this man that has caused him to be so free in letting go his money? It doesn't make sense. And they would want to see what it is all about. What's the deal between you and this risen Son of God? Let me know because I want to be in it. They won't articulate it this way, but I'm still a slave to money and you're not. Tell me what's the trick. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. One gives freely yet grows, in all, grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. You need to have an open hand so that God can 
give you things that he wants to entrust you further. Okay? One, we'll be very quick with this. Luke 21, verses 1 to 4, a narrative. I have three thoughts for you on radical generosity as we end our time together. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. Think two five centavo coins. Here's the amount. It was nothing then, it's nothing now. It's nothing. She put nothing, but it was significant. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow had put in more than all of the others, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Okay? It was nothing then, it's nothing now, but it was all that she was able to bring. So what, would, what can we learn from this? You have to understand that uh, this, this treasury where Jesus tells where Jesus was, there are 13 receptacles, like trumpet-shaped, trumpet, uh, and they are made of bronze. Okay? 13. Why 13? Here's for the synagogue, building phase 2. Here's for the, for, the, for the campus. Here's for the missions. And you go to a particular place. Rich men would come and throw in their money and make a lot of noise. And people would say, Wow, he put a lot of there. Of I know it's it's he put a lot of money in there, and it's really a masquerade. It's really pakitang gilas, pakitang tao. Okay, there's a re- if he's putting something in the synagogue building phase two project. Okay? There's a real sense of I built that, and this woman would apparently go to that general fund place where. He, he trusts the Levites to just allocate it where you will. I trust you. And he puts it there and barely makes a noise. Jesus, who was watching, makes a, a, a teaching session out of it, calls his disciples and says, she has put in everything and that is worship. And I think we can learn a lot about, about this. Number one, thoughts about this. Giving is a heart matter. I don't know how Jesus uh, concluded that she was a widow, probably the way that she dressed, because widows were probably poor. But here's another thing. Jesus is God. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 tells us that, G- that God sees the heart. I'm thinking Jesus sees the heart. There are many times that he was able to say something in response to a, what a disciple was thinking because he's God. I'm betting that he saw the heart and he saw the real things. What are, the, what are the important things? It's not the amount. Okay? It's not the proportion of what you give from what God had entrusted you. It's not the amount compared to other people, but it's the motive. Jesus sees motive. Are you doing this as a false front of holiness? Or are you doing this as a worshipful devotion, even desperation? I have nowhere else to go, but where else can I go? I have nowhere else to go. But trust you, that you are good, that you will, that you will, you know what's best for me. And these are the two differences. It'd be so easy for us to say, rich, bad, poor, good. Nagkataon lang po. But it'd be so easy for people to be rich. And what Paul said to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, if you're rich, you're affluent, praise God, you'll be rich in good works. Advance the gospel kingdom. There are people like that. Theophilus, Philemon, right? in the Bible. There are people naman, who are poor, but they are unrighteous. They think it's a, it's, a, it's a mechanical transaction. I've done my part, 
Matagal lang ako nagtatayas dito ah. Wala pa yung breakthrough ko. Gawin mo na yung part mo. And that is not displeasing to God. So it's not necessarily rich is bad, poor is good. Jesus saw the hearts. And at least, at least in this case, the heart was unrighteous in the rich. The heart was righteous in the poor. Giving is a heart matter. And this is one of the best ways to counter greed. When you give, and not only give, you give sacrificially. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly by, but un, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You probably say, yeah, 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 I've heard that. Here's something that you haven't heard. Do you know of something? It's semantic anachronism. It's, there are words that we're using now na yung pinanggalingan nila didn't mean that. What is MR dot? Mister, right? What is MRS dot? Mrs, right? What is R? You just said Mrs. Hindi siya Mrs. It actually means mistress. The mistress is the wife of the master. When you pay homage to, to, to a house, you say, could I meet the master and the mistress? You can't say mistress now because it means an entirely different thing, right? Okay? Cheerful giver. Cheerful is actually the word hilaron. It's not hilarious. Pagdadaan daw yung plate, that's spooky. Okay? Don't, don't do that. Hindi ganon. It's hilaron is eagerly taking pleasure. Parang, I and my wife have prayed about this. We're really tight, but it's our joy to be part of this enterprise of pushing forward the gospel message in our city. Where's the plate? Come on, naman. Sobrang eager to be part of worshiping God with his money. Hilaron, cheerful giver. I pray that we be this. Giving is a heart matter. Next, generous giving is sacrificial. Ganito lang po. Okay? It's moving from duty, like Old Testament people, like people na parang, how much does God want? Duty to delight. Delight is, how much can I give? How much can I give? I'm so excited. God's going to sustain me. God's going to honor this. He's, he's going to be so honored. You see the difference. Duty, delight. How much does God want? How much can I give? Religion, relationship. This is worship. Practically, how do we work this out? If you are living radically, okay? radical generosity, you can actually budget, budget uh, generosity in your, in your budget. Okay? This is how much we want to give in. You prayed about it, you talked about it with your spouse and family, and then you put it in. Okay? So you, if you are radically giving, and the things that are left for you are just enough for you to sustain you, if there's something that's big, a big expenditure, a big invitation to a trip, there has to be something that you say, oh, that's so nice, but I can't. Because I want to make good in this giving, generosity commitment that I have pledged to. Right? Do you understand? If you want to be a radical Christian who is a radical, crazy generous you need to put yourself in a position like this. You read Acts 9, it says people didn't have any need because people sold their, um, their possessions so that no one had need. Practical implication, simplify our lifestyles. There's nothing wrong in saving for a trip, saving for a device, but you and I need to know that we are able to give so much more. 
we are able to give so much more. It doesn't go to the church. The church are people who steward God's money, just like you are stewarding God's money. James 3 verse 1 says, those who teach are going to be judged more strictly. It fills our heart with reverence to teach things that are wrong. It same way it teaches, it, it fills our hearts with reverence to mishandle, misappropriate the tithes and the offerings that are coming in. I pray that as your leaders here in the local church, that you would trust us enough in your worship to God. So how do we give? We give top, from the top, not from the bottom. And if there's an order that we want to suggest, here you go. First truth first. Give your tithes, give your taxes. Give. The first two, they would constitute your generosity. Number three, spend. Number four, save. Hopefully this will be helpful for you. Generous giving is sacrificial. Lastly, my last point. You're going to have to try to pay attention because I'm going to be trying to say something. This passage is about giving, yes. But then again, it's really not about giving. It's something so much bigger. Okay? Your tiny everything is more than riches. Think with me for a while. Okay? She was holding her two five centavo coins. And that's virtually nothing, but it was her best. Okay? And what did Jesus do? She gave her full approval, full commendation, full acceptance. Really, this really points to the bigger story of the gospel. What Jesus provides for us, the perfect record, the righteousness. Even if you, you were one of the righteous, rich people who were giving tons of money, even if you have all eternity, you cannot earn this righteousness that Jesus bought for you. Literally, figuratively, this money that you have, this works, they're virtually nothing. We are recipients of grace at best. So come with your nothing, all of your nothing, Jesus will give all of his everything. Church, this is the gospel. The gospel says, we come and contribute the best that you can. The only contribution that we can give to the gospel message, it's our sin. Sin ko Nothing to be boastful about. But Jesus, he does all the work. All the work. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, as we end. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich with majesty in every possible sense, he laid aside this majesty and became man to save us. Yet for your sake, for our sake, he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This, my friends, is the solution. You fix your gaze on this, as the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Fix your gaze on Jesus. Fix your gaze. Rehearse the gospel story until your heart hears it and understands it. And then when your heart is captivated by the gospel, you would want to do what Jesus did. Jesus leveraged his resources. And it was a big task. Sin is big, but Jesus is bigger. He leveraged his very life. Obedience on death Obedience to death, even death on the cross, the most grueling death in all of human history. Stooping down so very low just to make us great. So what's our contribution? Our sin. 
Jesus gives everything that you and I could possibly have. May this be motivation for us to want to be good stewards, to leverage our time, our talents, our treasure, our resources so that we can worship God and spread the gospel message that, 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 that alone can save. We hope you were inspired by that message. Begin the new year right by staying updated with our schedules and events. Make sure you have the Victory Alabang app on your mobile devices. Thank you and stay connected.